What up? We are back once again today. It is time to get the ball rolling. You guys know what time it is. We are back again in the studio doing a little bit different today uh, because I am traveling. I'll be I'll be gone uh, leaving this beautiful town that is St. George, Utah, and I'll be heading up north to watch the Weber State North Dakota game. It's a top 25 matchup. I can't wait to uh, to get up there, watch some football on Saturday, spend some time with the family. We're at that, that point in the semester where the teachers think that all we have is school to do, and we I guess we don't need life outside of school and they decided to uh you know how do I explain it you just do it everything is just school 100% of the time and you don't get a life outside of it so uh you know a lot of projects a lot of fun things that I'm doing but I had to step away uh clear my head talk some football so today uh as always we're doing the FBS on Friday uh Friday for FBS can't wait super excited uh going forward with this week honestly it's going to be something really exciting and overall, uh, I can't wait to see uh, the outcomes of what happens. So uh, like we always do, we're going to go over the top headlines uh, from this last week. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about Florida State. Big headline, big news coming out of uh, Tallahassee there. Uh, and then we'll obviously talk a little bit more about the playoff uh, predictions, our teams that have made our radar, uh, and then the games of the week. So as always, always a packed uh, FBS podcast. I honestly could do one uh, every single day, and I wish I could, you know, like talking, like do a, you know, a power five, group of five, and then even even into individual conferences. But I uh, don't have that amount of time right now, so we're just doing this. We're hitting the highlights. Well, for those of you who know, I work with Woos Media. I am their Pac-12 consultant, and the Pac-12 did it. Utah and Oregon did it. They beat USC, and they beat Washington, both of them on the road, both big tests. So happy, so, so, so happy that uh, Utah, number one, uh, I'm obviously a University of Utah fan, being from Utah, grew up there, uh, a little bit north of Salt Lake. I love them, and it's crazy that they were able to beat Washington uh, We going into the game. Uh, we were 1-13 all time. I mean, if you think about it, 1-13. And I don't think we'd ever won in Seattle. I want to have to fact check that, but I don't think Utah had ever won in Seattle uh, up until this last Saturday. So they were able to pull it out. They were able to uh, get the win. Nothing makes me happier than that. I am so happy that we were able to. And uh, anyway, and then Oregon as well. They were able to go down to, to Southern California. You know, In the first quarter, I was a little worried. Uh, second quarter, uh, towards the end of the half, really, Oregon kind of opened it up and then uh, you know, never looked back. Uh, Clay Hilton, that seat's starting to get hotter and hotter every single day. Uh, Georgia beats Florida in an absolute dogfight. It was a super good game. Uh, it was in the afternoon. I was obviously watching the, the University of Utah game, so I was flipping kind of back and forth, but uh, Georgia was able to beat Florida. Florida has impressed me, though. Uh, going into it, I didn't think they were going to be as good as what they are, so uh, I was wrong there. Uh, I mean, I think I have their record, but I was like, ah, there's going to be like one of those SEC teams that are just kind of skating them by because the bottom half of the FCC, SEC is just absolute garbage. But no, they actually look really good, and, and, and they gave Georgia a game. Uh, like I mentioned before, Willie Taggart gets fired by Florida State. We're going to kind of dive into that and uh, some of the data surrounding that actually kind of uh, perturbs me, I guess. Uh, I, I was actually a fan of Taggart. Uh, I watched him at uh, Western Kentucky uh, and then I watched him when he was at USF. 
And I paid really close attention because I was like, okay, I want to see how he does. He did re- a really good job at both programs, uh, building them up. Uh, obviously, right now, U- USF's in a, a little bit different uh, uh, of situation uh, with Charlie Strong. He's also a really good coach. Uh, but Western Kentucky, there for a while, I mean, they were pumping out all kinds of uh, big names that you look at. You're like, wow, he 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 left. Well, they came from him. I mean, we had... To start off, we had uh, Willie Taggart, then uh, Bobby Petrino, and then how oh, was Jeff Brom? That's going to say the Purdue coach, and then uh, Mike Sanford Jr., who uh, I can't remember where he ended up going, but he ended up leaving last year. And now we have Tyson Helton. So you know, Western Kentucky really pumped out quite a few coaches, and I and I was a big fan of his at Western Kentucky. I I was a Hilltopper fan. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever know this, but when uh, a new team ever came into the FBS, my brother and I, we'd claim teams, right? So we'd split that FBS uh, 50-50, and they were my team. I said, Hayden, I want Western Kentucky. I like uh, the name. I like the, the little Hilltopper, the little whip thing they got going on. Uh, let me have them. And so he gave them to me as my team. And so I've been cheering for him ever since. So, uh, obviously paid close attention, sad that they had to let him go. Uh, he was at Oregon before he went to Florida state. I think he was a little over his skis going to, uh, Florida state. I would have liked to see what he would have done at Oregon, but obviously Mario Cristobal has, uh, taken kind of care of that. So interesting little factoid. So moving forward, he gets fired and then, uh, let's see. The remaining unbeatens and the playoffs, we obviously are going to be talking about that. The remaining unbeatens, we had a couple uh, fall this last week. Uh, we do have, uh, you know, Penn State is still undefeated. Ohio State still undefeated. Uh, Minnesota is still undefeated. LSU, Alabama still undefeated. Clemson undefeated. Uh, Baylor undefeated. So uh, really starting to shape up. Obviously, SMU lost and Appalachian State lost. So uh, only got a few teams left. We're going to kind of put them through the gauntlet here, kind of talk about uh, the playoffs. They they released uh, the playoff pitcher last week, or not last week, yesterday. And uh, they have their rankings. We'll probably uh, get into that a little bit. And then going forward, now, uh, looking forward into this week, we have LSU and Alabama. I think everybody in the nation is going to be peeled to that game. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it's finally here. Uh, holy cow. This is what I'm going to say that. And I, and I know if you have listened to this this podcast series, I've talked a lot about LSU. I've been really impressed with this team this year. I do like the swap monster that is Ed Orgeon. And uh, I can't wait to see what happens uh, this Saturday. So we're going to kind of jump into FSU right now. And really what has happened. So I want to give you a few stats and then I'll give you what I think has happened. So uh, before Willie Taggart, there was Jimbo Fisher. And before Jimbo Fisher, there was Bobby Bowden. And Bobby Bowden had built Florida State. He'd been there since 76. Uh, He was kind of this iconic football coach. Uh, If you've ever seen him, he just looks like that old age of football coach. He was there for such a long time. I mean, 76 to uh, 2009. Crazy. I know he won uh, some national championships. I don't have all the stats on him, but you know, he did a really good job there. And then uh, Jimbo Fisher, which was kind of his protege, steps in and takes over the program. He only has uh, two seasons where he didn't win uh, 10 or more games. That was in 2011 and his last year in 2017 with only seven wins. So 
Uh, Willie Taggart steps in, inherits a team that went seven and six the year before, and uh, he goes five and seven. And I think it broke like a twenty-year-old streak where uh, they had been to twenty consecutive bowl games, something outrageous like that, or twenty-one, twenty-two. It was, it was pretty big. So Jimbo Fisher's win percentage at Florida State was seventy-eight point seven, uh, and that includes the national championship with Jameis Winston. He obviously. Uh, you know, lost to, in 2014, they lost to Oregon in the Rose Bowl, which was the semifinal, uh, kind of just, they were the last kind of, uh, on the cusp of, of, as we were starting into the college football playoff, that's, that's kind of the, the line that was drawn, and, in 2015, uh, 16, 17, they hadn't made an ACC appearance. It was only back in 2014 where they finally made an ACC championship appearance. So, Number one, I want to say something that is always true, and you can kind of look around the league. When you have somebody in your uh, side of the conference that is dominant, normally everyone else is not as dominant. Now, for years, Clemson had kind of hid in Florida State's shadow. They were always the ones that were a step behind Florida State. Florida State was the big dog. They always beat Clemson. If you can look back and remember those times, I mean, if you got to look back to 2013, 2012, 2011, uh, 2010, 2009, you know, the first part of Davo uh, Sweeney's kind of like his, his, his transition into being, you know, what he is today. Right. And so Clemson was always a step behind him. And that makes sense because Florida state was so dominant. They were going to national championships. They were winning the ACC. They had to beat, you know, Clemson, and and that was the season. That was what they had to do because the ACC traditionally hasn't been a crazy big powerhouse. Uh, like when we think of like you know the SEC and the in the in the Big Ten, they've always just kind of been a step behind us. How I kind of think of it, and Florida State, like I said, was good, but wasn't ever you know they they were dominating, and then Clemson was just the other good team. So once when we had this transition from you know Jimbo to, to Willie Taggart, something happened, and I, I just have so many questions about this. Um, that you know Jimbo Jimbo Fisher leaves when it's seven and six. Number one, why did he leave at seven and six? Why would you do that? Now he went to Texas A and M, but Texas A and M before and during the time his tenure had only had a sixty eight win percentage. It was fifty nine and twenty seven, but no national championships. You're moving to Texas. I mean, maybe he just really liked the pitch they gave, but why? Something happened that year that I wanted, and I really wish I could I could find out an investigative uh, thing, go down to Tallahassee and find out. But why was Jim? Why would Jimbo leave a program that he had built and had sustained? He won a national championship there. There's not many coaches that have won national championships and then leave to go to another school. I mean, honestly. Tell me a coach because I can't, I couldn't think of any. I was like, no, most of them kind of finish out their tenure there because the school's like, oh, hey, you got us one national championship. Thank you. Something happened with Jimbo. So they hire Willie Taggart. You know, he goes five and seven, which was which was really unfortunate. This year he, he has 16 returning uh, offensive or 16 starters in general, eight on offense, eight on defense. So a ton of returners. And they've just kind of not played up to potential, but – Nobody in the ACC has really played up to potential outside of Clemson. Uh, they did have a loss uh, to Boise State, and it was actually at home, not a neutral side game. They've lost to Virginia. Uh, they've lost to Clemson, Wake Forest, and they ended up losing to Miami, Florida, which after the game, they had the dismiss dismissal of Willie Taggart. I just don't understand why you would fire a guy in the second year of, of, of his time there. Willie Taggart's offense is 
so different than Jimbo Fisher's. You got to allow him to put the personnel in. Now I'm not there in the meetings. I'm not there, uh, you know, in the media there as, as, as they're looking at it, or maybe they just don't like Taggart and his, his, uh, his demeanor as he answers questions or, or, you know, maybe, there's a, there's a thousand reasons to fire somebody. I don't know. I'm not in Tallahassee. And the media down there, if they were calling for him to be fired, maybe they saw something that out here in Utah I'm just not seeing. I just don't understand it. I think it was a premature fire. Uh, I think that, you know, after a year or two, he really would have got going. This was, I mean, he did coach at Oregon, but this was his first big, you know, head coaching job. Uh, Oregon was, it was, Oregon was kind of in a weird transition year with him too. And I felt bad because, you know, he inherits an Oregon Oregon program where they had kind of under underperformed obviously because after the the the, the this uh, well after Chip Kelly had left to go to uh, the the NFL uh, Mark Helfrich steps in uh, he go he went four and eight and then you know Willie Tyre came in went seven and five. I believe he went seven and five. Yes, they went seven and five. They ended up losing to Boise State. He didn't coach the the game though in Las Vegas at Las Vegas Bowl. So he went seven and five. So he can win at that level, but they just didn't give him a chance. And I think it was kind of a bad move by Florida State. However, uh, they are now on the hunt. There's been a lot of names thrown around. Uh, Bob Stutes came out and said, "No, I'm not the one that is going to be uh, replacing him." So uh, here we now. This isn't. Um, any breaking news? This is just people that I could see taking over the Florida State job. Uh, maybe some far out predictions, but you know, honestly, these are some of the ones that I would see, or that Florida State should be making the call. Uh, number one, Mike Norvell from Memphis University. He is twenty six and fourteen, eight and one this year. He's really done a great job at Memphis. Uh, I think that if he was to step in today. Day, uh, it would be. I mean, Florida State's got to understand you're not going to build your Rome wasn't built in a day, and so you can't expect the next coach to come in and win 11 games. That's not going to happen. Now you are in a weak conference, the weakest of the Power Five. Even you could even argue that the American Athletic is stronger uh, than the ACC. But Mike Norvell, he had his first head coaching job at uh, Memphis. He's in Tennessee, going down to Florida, so he knows the culture. You know, Southern culture, right? It's not like some West Coast guy, you know, air raid system going to try to go implement it. He knows what to do. He has the foot in the door for recruiting, and I think that might have what hurt Taggart. You know. He was in South Florida, but he had left to go to Oregon. So he had left really a year, uh, a blank year to come back. Maybe recruiting was different. I don't know. I think Mike Norvell would do a great job. He's in his fourth year at Memphis. Uh, he's able to get him in 2017. He was able to get him to 10 wins. Uh, he's had them ranked uh, in 2017 as high as 16th this year. Uh, they're outperforming everyone. They're really one bad call away at Temple uh, for being undefeated, and they probably will remain that way until they play Cincinnati. It will be a really interesting game, but uh, really doing a great job. I would not be surprised. They should put him towards the top of the list. Number uh, two, Brett Belima. He was the Wisconsin coach. Uh, he was last at Arkansas. And I understand that Wisconsin is really easy to win at just due to the nature of the Big Ten. But I would not be surprised if they were to reach out to him right now. He's coaching the uh, defensive line uh, at the New England Patriots. So if he was to leave the NFL, I mean, obviously he's being 
taught by one of the greatest, Bill Belichick, and uh, learning from him, maybe taking that time off of being a head coach, he could get back into it. Uh, he's coached at a big program with big expectations. Uh, the athletic director up in Wisconsin, I, I've heard, is a really big personality, so he's dealt with that. I think he could handle uh, the media and what is Tallahassee, right? Uh, number three, now this is kind of a far-out prediction, and I don't even know if he would be interested or is looking to get back into football, but Honestly, I think Gene Chiswick also could take care of them. Uh, he, he stepped into an Auburn program, and he was able to take them to a national championship. Now, for whatever reason, they had a fallout, and uh, Gus Malzahn took over. But in his tenure there, he was 8-5, 14-0, 8-5, 3-9. and, 0, and, 5, and 9. So after that 3-9 and 9 season, they just fired him. Uh, and I understand, you know, when you're Auburn, you don't want to go 3-9. and 9. Understandable. But, uh, you know, he was able to go 14-0. He did have Cam Newton, but he went 14-0, and, and, and so he was able to do it. I mean, there were a lot of things he, he really did well uh, overall coaching. Uh, so, you know, I want to give him a pass. I think it would be really interesting to see him uh, come back right now. He's doing some uh, some announcing, I believe. He's on ESPN, uh, uh, one of the football analysis, but uh, analysts, sorry. I would think it would be great. He's already won a national championship. I think he could provide kind of a culture thing back into Tallahassee and Florida State University. Uh, a couple of ones that might be a little bit farther out. I mean, obviously, I think Mark Norvell would be number one on my list. Now, we're going to kind of go further and further out. Uh, Matt Campbell out of uh, Iowa State, he's 54 and 34. Uh, he's done super, super well. He's coached at uh, Toledo, and now he's at Iowa State. The only thing with him is he hasn't coached uh, in one of a, in, in a big a big team. I mean, Iowa State, Ames, Iowa is a small town. Uh, Toledo, Ohio, small town. Uh, it would be really interesting to see them, to see how he would do. I don't know what the expectations would be for him. He's kind of reserved, kind of quiet. Uh, I mean, from what I remember from Bobby Bowden, he was pretty loud, and uh, Jimbo was, you know, pretty loud too. So I can kind of, I kind of have like a, just something in my head. He's really quiet, really reserved, play really good defense. He's going to get you eight, nine wins a year. And, you know, he might be able to run the table. Uh, the only thing he has never coached in the South. So, and I don't know what his, his the situation is like in Iowa State, if he loves it, if he's going to stay. Obviously, I don't know those things, but it'd be really interesting to see him kind of taking the reins there. And then finally, the last one. Now, this is probably my furthest prediction, but I really do like this coach is uh, Billy Napier at the University of Louisiana. Lafayette. Uh, he was seven and seven last year, but he's six and two this year. He inherited a program that was really good at getting to the bowl game. And that's all I want to say. And uh, you know what? If he wins out this season, he's going to go ten and two. He's going to probably play Appalachian State in the in the Sun Belt Championship. He has another shot at him. He lost to him uh, in a really close game. He is a really good coach, and I and I was impressed after watching. I've watched a couple of uh, Lafayette's games uh, just on the multicast, and I was watching it, and I was really impressed. Uh, again, it would be kind of it's not really a fancy name, it's not really a big name, uh, but those are some of the guys from college football in and around college football that could do it. Obviously, there could be a guy like Hugh Jackson to step, you know, that was at the NFL step into something like that. Uh, you know, he was in Cleveland, but he really is a good football coach, uh, in my opinion. I know I might get some backlash on that but uh, I thought I think he would 
he would do fine there. And there are some other ones. I mean, you wouldn't have ever thought that Herm Edwards would jump into college football uh, coaching. There could be some of the old retired guys that could step in. I've heard Lane Kiffin's name bounce around. I don't know if I would give him a shot. And I don't know if I'm Lane Kiffin if I really want to go. I think FAU is perfect. Boca Raton is perfect for him and his style of play and the personality and everything. I think they just love him there. And, and he's bu- he's building a winning culture down there at FAU. So those are just kind of my thoughts on the matter. Uh, again, I have no insight. That would just be people that I would be uh, if I was on the you know the search committee. I'd be like, all right, let's go talk to this guy. Let's see what we need to do. All right, we're going to step aside, uh, take a quick break. After the break, we'll be talking about a little bit about the playoff picture, the teams on our radar, uh, teams that have impressed us over the last week or two, and the games of the week with uh, the, the predictions from last week. We did very, very well. So uh, stay tuned after the break uh, with Get the Ball Rolling. All right, back after the break. So we are going to be talking about a little bit out of the playoff uh, picture. They released our uh, top eight that were in the college football playoff con, you know, to the committee. Uh, number one was Ohio State. Number two was LSU. Uh, number three was Alabama. Number four was Penn State. Sorry. Uh, Penn State, number five, Clemson. Number six, Georgia. Number seven, Oregon. Number eight, Utah. Number nine, Oklahoma. Number 10, Florida. So... Uh, Kind of interesting. I will be breaking it down a little bit later. We'll be doing a, a podcast a little bit later on this. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of questions still remaining. Uh, what do you do? I mean, obviously, LSU, Alabama, and Georgia are up there. Ohio State, Penn State, what happens with Minnesota? That's a big, big question mark. Uh, Clemson, obviously, getting ousted uh, to number five. What happens there? Baylor sitting just outside of the, the top 10 at number 12. Uh, what are they going to be able to do? Obviously, the committee doesn't have much faith in them because they do have to go on the road to TCU uh, at uh, Texas and at Oklahoma or vice versa. They get, they're either home or away. I can't, no, they're home. Home against Texas, home against Oklahoma. That's right. And uh, interesting there. And then uh, obviously Oregon and Utah kind of sitting there. Uh, a lot of things to happen. So I don't want to dive too much into it. Uh, we will be talking about that a little bit later as it draws closer. Uh, I just want to let you guys know we'll be giving our reactions. Anyway, all right, so teams that made it on our radar, radar this last week. We have Louisiana coming in at 6-2. and two. Uh, If they win out, they'll be going 10-2. and two. We talked about Billy Napier and what he's been able to do. Uh, they're a sneaky little team in the Sun Belt. If they get a shot, another shot at Appalachian State, I don't know uh, if Appalachian State has the firepower to hold them down another game. Kind of a crazy game. Obviously, right now, Georgia Southern is leading it. They're going to have a have a Appalachian State's going to have to have Georgia Southern uh, lose a couple games. So uh, interesting there. Number two, like I said last week, Charlotte. So they're going to win, and I think that they could potentially make a bowl game. Right. Uh, last week they upset Middle Tennessee State, and uh, they have three games left. They're at UTEP, home against Marshall, at Old Dominion. So they're going to have to go on the road to beat UTEP, which I think that they can, making them five and five. I think Marshall is going to very be a very difficult game. I don't think they're going to get them. However, they are at home, and then they will have to finish out the season fighting for their lives on the road against Old Dominion. Could be interesting. Uh, but four and five uh, with a team that's barely started a football program, that's barely in the FBS. Congratulations, Charlotte. 
Coming in at number three, normally when a team loses, I don't put them in uh, the teams on our radar, but San Jose played so valiantly uh, against Boise State last week, and they were able to beat Army at Army. Army doesn't lose at home. Uh, they did it, so they're four and five right now, also kind of an interesting little team. Uh, they Next up, they have to... Oh, and they also beat Arkansas. I forgot to, to mention that. Uh, they have at Hawaii, which is very difficult going on the road uh, to uh, the island of Oahu. Uh, they have home against UNLV and home against Fresno State. So they had to pull two wins out of the hat there. They could get UNLV. And uh, we'll see what they do with Fresno. Fresno's kind of a big question mark for me right now. And Hawaii is, is uh, after the loss against Fresno, even more of a question mark. So kind of uh, interesting there. Uh, coming in at number five, Illinois. They just extended their win streak. Yet again, with a win, I know it was against uh, Rutgers, but they did it. Uh, they're five and four. And they, need, they need one game, and uh, this is their first three-game winning streak and Big Ten winning streak since 2007, uh, where they went to the Rose Bowl and lost. Uh, Kind of a crazy year. Uh, congratulations, Illinois, to, to put it together. Lovey Smith's doing a great job. I mean, five and four. Uh, I don't know uh, going forward if they're going to get a whole ton more wins. It's kind of uh, up in the air. Uh, they do have a couple. Uh, let me pull it up here for, for you guys. Uh, they are at Michigan State this week, which uh, I don't think Sparty is super good, but uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, then they have a bye at Iowa, home against Northwestern. So they're going to have to either beat Northwestern at home and they haven't beat Northwestern since 2014, so they could. That was also the last time they went to a bowl game, and uh, that was the game that uh, tipped them over the edge to go 6-6. Six and six. So they could do it again. Uh, it, preferably, they would have to uh, beat Michigan State or beat Iowa. Uh, I would really like to see what uh, Lovey Smith does. Uh, coming off of a loss, he's just... 4-20, and 20. so if they lose, uh, coming up to Iowa would be really tough. Off of a bye, he also has a losing record, but he's only ever coached at uh, one uh, university, so kind of uh, interesting there. And then the final one, I got to give a big old shout out to the U-Boys. I love me some University of Utah. Uh, super excited. We haven't been this good since 2015 and haven't been ranked this high. We haven't had this national notoriety and I cannot wait. I, I really hope they can make it. Uh, what has to happen going forward? Uh, We'll have to see. I really, I really want to see a Pac-12 team in there. If it's not Utah, let it be Oregon. Uh, but they're able to beat Washington again, one and thirteen. Now we're two and thirteen overall. Uh, Utah with the senior laden class lost to them twice last year. We're able to bounce back and get the win, big time. I love it. Shout out to the University of Utah. All right, we're going to be moving on to the games of the week now. Last week. We went eight and four. Uh, we had a couple of losses. A couple of tricky games were last week. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I did take TCU at Oklahoma State. Uh, I took them, but then I should have realized they had a big win against Texas, and, uh, and they were on the road, so that was kind of a, a dumb pick by me. I did take Utah State over BYU. Uh, BYU was coming off of a bye, but also a really emotional win against Boise, so I thought, hey, I want to take Utah State at home at night in the cold. Prove uh, me wrong there. I did take Western Kentucky over FAU. It was a really close game. I believe it was only three points there. So uh, missed that one. And the other one, I did take ULM. Uh, I I did have Arkansas State. Uh, I thought you know them going on the road against ULM. I thought ULM could could get the win and defend uh, home field advantage. But 
they didn't. So, but eight and four isn't bad. We would have made it to bowl game. Uh, so we'll be doing our picks for this week. Overall, the game of the week, you guys know it. It's uh, pretty obvious out there right now, and that is Alabama versus LSU. Alabama's at home, uh, but. Honestly, I'm taking the Tigers. I think Joe Burrow is uh, something else. I would be scared to play him right now. I'd be scared to play that Tigers defense. I just kind of have a feeling I'm not impressed. And then this whole thing with Tua, what are they going to do with Tua? Is he hurt? Is he playing? I think it's kind of up in the air. They might be doing that for uh, just to not show their hand quite yet. But this Alabama team hasn't played anybody, and I haven't really been really impressed with them. So this could be the first time that I'm impressed with them, and I'll stop bagging on them as hard as I have, but I think this LSU team is legit. Um, and then the other, the group of five game of the week, uh, Southern Miss versus UAB. I want to take UAB on the road. And I say that for a couple of reasons. I think that UAB can get the win. Uh, Southern Miss has... This was I went really back and forth. This there were two games. This one in the Penn State game, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Then I went back and forth, back and forth. I think UAB. Uh, I love Bill Clark, and I don't want to bet against him. Uh, they did lose against uh, Tennessee last week. Uh, They're pretty good uh, coming off of a loss, so I want to take the Blazers uh, in this game. I think Southern Miss is a year away from being uh, really, really good. So we'll see what happens. All right, out of the SEC, we have uh, Georgia against Missouri. Can Georgia still make the playoffs? Do they have the resume to make the playoffs? I don't think they do. I think that loss against South Carolina, you put them up against other losses. I just an ugly loss at home against South Carolina. Ugly, man. Ugly, ugly. But against Missouri, I'm going to be taking Georgia uh, this week. Out of the Big Ten, uh, we have... Penn State versus at Minnesota. Now, this was the one that I went back and forth on. Uh, here's some stats for you. Uh, overall defense, Penn State's ninth. Uh, Minnesota's 13th. Overall offense, Minnesota's 47th. Penn State's 52nd. Uh, overall, uh, for the fewest penalties, Minnesota's second in the nation. Penn State 16th. Uh, and then equally, I mean, like every single stat, they were really, really close. The only thing that I'm going to, and it's going to come down to, I love Love me some PJ Flack. Don't get me wrong. I, I love Minnesota, and I like what he's been able to do to build a culture there. Uh, and I understand that this is kind of their this is their national championship, really. Uh, because, I mean, they still got – they have four hard games. And they have to play Iowa. They have to play Wisconsin. They have to play Penn State. And they haven't really been tested yet. The first three games were kind of ugly – like Georgia Southern barely winning, Fresno State barely winning in overtime, and then barely beating South Dakota State. I want to take Penn State on the road. Uh, if Minnesota wins, I mean, that's just pandemonium. The only thing that scares me is, is Penn State going to be looking over their shoulder to next week to Ohio State? Because if they are, Minnesota is going to get the win. And then Minnesota, I don't think they end up winning out or anything. I think this is a good team, not a great team. I don't think they're a top 10 team. They're a top 25 team, not a top 10 team. So I'm going to take Penn State. I know it's kind of a little bit more conservative. I almost went with Minnesota, uh, especially where it will be uh, at Minnesota, uh, you know, in the frozen tundra. But uh, I, I can't I can't overthink it. I'm taking Penn State. Out of the ACC, we have Wake Forest at Virginia Tech. Uh, Wake Forest, you know what? They're killing it. They're 19th in the nation. But the ACC is like, I don't even know, like trying to predict. Uh, I don't even know what's impossible. I, like the phases of the moon, if you're like blind or something. I don't know. I'm trying to make it an analogy. I can't think of it. No, like the faith, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like you, like it's so hard to predict. I'm going to be taking Vatek uh, on the road or at home. 
Played really well last week against Notre Dame off of a loss. I think uh, Justin Fuente can get him uh, going with the win there. Out of the Big 12, Texas versus Kansas State game of the week. I think Kansas State kind of got lucky. Uh, they have lost to Oklahoma State. They have lost to Baylor. I think they're going to lose to Texas. I think Texas is going to kind of flex their muscles and sh- say, hey, we're Texas. Please, just, just you're almost here. You're good. You're good, but Big Brother's going to kind of take over. I'm going to be taking Texas. Uh, out of the Pac-12, we have Arizona State versus USC. This is really the battle for the second seed in the South. I don't think USC is that good. I've said it over and over again. Uh, Clay Helton, I'm sorry, buddy. Your job, you're you're not going to be staying there much longer. I don't see how you can. Uh, you had an amazing quarterback in Sam Darnold and really an amazing team. You didn't do anything with it. <laughs> I mean, you lost games you should have won, and I think Arizona State's going to win. I think that Herm Edwards has got it rolling down there in uh, Tempe. And there's Jaden Daniels' kid. He's fun to watch. If you guys haven't watched him, be sure to tune in. I'll be taking Arizona State. Out of the American Athletic, we have ECU at SMU. I want to be taking SMU. ECU had a really emotional loss against Cincinnati. SMU had a really emotional loss uh, against Memphis. I'll be taking SMU. SMU is a really good football team despite the loss. Uh, In the Mountain West, we have Fresno State versus Utah State. Just like last week, I kind of debated with Utah State and BYU. Uh, I went back and forth on this. I think that Fresno is going to win. I think Utah State is a really good team. They do have a couple of injuries. Uh, I think that Jordan Love hopefully will stay one more year, and next year will kind of be their year as they set up their schedule a little bit better. I want to be taking Fresno. I like Fresno. Uh, I'm kind of keeping in the back of my mind what Jeff Tenford's done and the win against Hawaii last week. It was a really big emotional win. I'll be taking Fresno at home against Utah State. Uh, CUSA, uh, North Texas at Louisiana Tech. North Texas has kind of been disappointing this year, so I want to be taking Louisiana Tech in this game. In the MAC, uh, it, it, it will be played uh, prior to this being released. It's so hard because uh, the MAC plays now like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday games, and it's really hard because it's like they, it's considered like the next week, but it's like the week before. And so I, I, I just throw this out. Ohio, Miami, Ohio. I'll be taking Ohio. Uh, so if you guys hear this in Miami, Ohio loses, then it will be going on week 11 instead of week 10, even though it should have been week 10. Kind of difficult with them. And same thing with the Sun Belt. They have this weird scheduling thing. Uh, Troy versus Georgia Southern. Uh, I'm going to be taking Georgia Southern. I, I, I On the road against Troy. Troy hasn't really impressed me this year. I think the coaching change really kind of threw a wrench into that team. I will be taking uh, the Eagles there. They're playing good football. I've been really impressed with them. Uh, really only have a couple of like like their bad losses are like Minnesota and LSU. And it's like, well, if you're losing to those teams, they're both undefeated still. So congratulations, Georgia Southern. Good job. Um, and then I wanted to tell you guys, I did this with the FCS, but the teams that I most talked about this year, I'll do it by conference. Uh, LSU, Penn State, Louisville, Texas, USC, Houston, Hawaii, Marshall, Ball State, and Georgia Southern. Uh, those are the teams that I've most had in uh, our you know teams on our radar. It might be the teams that we talked about for games of the week. It might have just been in general. But uh, I've been talking about those teams, which is kind of surprising that USC, I must have been really against USC. And Houston, I've kind of dogged on Houston a lot. I could see that happening. Kind Kind of interesting to see the, these these trends. Uh, we'll see by the end of the season. I just kind of want to do like a middle one, and then we have a few more weeks, and then we'll be we'll be talking about it. But kind of interesting uh, as we talk about uh, that going forward. So 
I can't wait. We'll see what happens this weekend. Again, I want to be on the road. Uh, be watching uh, all of our social media. Obviously, we're going to be meeting some amazing people up there in Ogden. Uh, Coach Matt Hammer uh, from North Dakota. Coach Danny Freund. Super excited. I can't wait to go there. Hopefully, uh, I'll be able to stay warm, even though it is a 2 o'clock start. So that is our FBS podcast. I hope you guys continue to like it. Uh, again, follow us on all of our social media accounts. and and uh everything let me know what i can do i know that uh i've had a couple people write in i've been trying to incorporate everything that you guys have asked for uh because you know what i'm new to this i'm doing uh, this show i love it to death uh but we had a really good recap we've talked about a lot of things right we've discussed a lot of things we are get the ball rolling so let's keep the ball rolling into next week uh we'll see what happens with our predictions have a great one and uh let's keep the ball rolling